Okay. All right, we're in business. Hello and welcome to another episode of Hey, You Should Read This. I'm Gwen and this is Hey, You Should Read This, the podcast where I take recommendations from my friends and the internet on the books that I should really be reading already. Today, we're discussing The Left Hand of Darkness by Ursula K. Le Guin. And I say we, because this time I have a guest again. Joe, hey. would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, my name is Joe Scheller. And um, I uh, met Gwen when she was uh, uh, one of the student editors of the Mount Mercy Times student newspaper. I'm a professor at Mount Mercy. And I, I think it was just in a casual conversation that I brought up this book. Um, and I remembered reading it when I was a teenager and and really, really, really enjoying it. Um, and so that's the reason I recommended it to, to you, Gwen. Love that. I fully remember that conversation, actually. I was turned around before a class started and talking to the guy behind me about how I hadn't read any hard sci-fi. Um, and you heard us talking about Ursula K. Le Guin and said I should read this book. And now, significantly after graduating, I have. So, um, for background, I don't normally read books with a lot of political intrigue and, like, um, I guess political intrigue would have just sufficed, but all of the, like, sort of Game of Thrones style drama of who has power and who's trying to get power. Not usually a thing I go into. So the first hundred pages were a little bit much for me. But once we got to about chapter six, the action started and I was all in. Oh, good. Good. Yeah, yes. I, I, I think it, it was just the imaginative world that, that really appealed to me. Um, the uh, idea of, um, you know, a, a winter planet and um, um, a, a, a whole subspecies of humans that don't have um, a sexual identity in the in the um, sense that that uh, people usually do. Um, and uh, the title, uh, The Left Hand of Darkness, um, you know, it is sort of explained, I think, near the end of the book. Um, where it's the idea that that uh, good and bad are intertwined, um, and and I think there's a quote about the the left hand of darkness being the light, um, and uh, th that sort of plays with the whole idea of duality, um, and uh, the you know, besides being about gender, the book, as you note, kind of has a political bent, but it's a rumination on on the the way in which people treat each other and um good and bad relationships too yeah i once i got to the point where it wasn't just people talking over dinners i was like had fully bought into the concept of these people and chapter seven which is the question of sex for those people who don't necessarily have the book in front of them is the sort of scientific report by the investigators who the, the excuse me the investigators who come before our main character on his mission to this planet the scientific report is sort of the preliminary what you need to know before you come to winter 
Um, and it discusses all of that, like not having a relationship to concepts of gender and things. And that to me made so much of the world building much more clear in the way that I'm like, would it also work if this had been chapter one? Would things have been clearer to me than being dropped straight into political intrigue? But it was useful and it was very interesting to consider from, because it's an outsider perspective looking in, it's meant to be seen from the human perspective and kind of relatable, I guess, that this is strange and other. Um, but it does, it's an interesting place to question the assumptions made by that investigator as well about sex yeah and gender yeah i I, th I think it's funny that that strict maleness or femaleness is considered a perversion on that planet and that there's a small yes. minority that that sort of revert to that form um yeah one of the things that was interesting to me about that particular chapter especially but also throughout the book was that our human characters refer to the people on winter using masculine pronouns as that's somehow less gendered than any of the other available pronouns. The whole time, maybe it's just because I'm in 2023, I was like, can, can, is singular they not an option? Yeah, I, of course, uh, th this book was written in the 1960s. And that's I think- true. Um, linguistically, um, the idea of using they as a singular pronoun uh, wasn't really a, a much of a concept yet. Um, That's and, true. And yeah. I did take that into account in my, okay, this was written before the time in which you are reading it. And things have obviously changed since then. Mid-century America was the basis for all of these gender roles. And it's interesting to read as a young person well past that point in time but not in a bad way that was I guess what I was getting at with the sort of questioning the investigators assumptions about sex and gender roles because it brought up things for me that, that are like normal for me to consider using a singular they for someone that did not occur to either mid-century Ursula K. Le Guin or the characters within the book. Yeah. So, I don't know. But once once the action started happening with the um, people going from country to country and getting <laughs> kidnapped and arrested and all of that, it got a little bit more intriguing. Also, I think because it was past that sort of explanatory chapter, I had a little bit more firm sense of how how things were put together as far as not just being dropped into an alien world full of alien words and concepts. I don't know. Yeah. Um, well, when I, I've, I've read a number of Ursula K. Le Guin 
books, although it's been a very, very long time. So I'm not really um, up on them. But but one thing I appreciated about, um, you know, that I tend to appreciate about most of her novels, I think she does a very interesting job of imagining the world and of world building in the novels. It, it feels yeah. like a place that that is inhabited, that has a history, um, that is on some trajectory. Um, and, and it's not... Um, it's it's almost it's almost like Tolkien to me in that way in that it's it's a fairly complete picture of a long history. Yeah, actually, as you say that, I'm looking at the copy of the book that I own, and there is a blurb on the back that says, "As profuse and original an invention as the Lord of the Rings." So you are not the first person to have this thought. Well, um, and again, when this came out in the 1960s, The Lord of the Rings was not all that old and was still, uh, you know, a big deal foundational literature in the whole fantasy sci-fi world. So, so thinkers a... of that time comparing it to The Lord yeah. of the Rings, probably almost everything written then was compared to The Lord of the Rings. But um, it, it, like it does have a bit else. of that flavor. Yeah. No, no I... wizards or orcs or elves or uh, anything like that, but, no. but still uh, kind of a complete different place uh, on the alternate yeah. universe. And you call it a foundational text of like sci-fi and fantasy. And it's one of those things of like, I don't all like you occasionally get this feeling of like, am I a proper nerd if I haven't read The Lord of the Rings? which I haven't. I remember trying to read them as a 10-year-old and failing miserably. Um, but I now own copies of The Lord of the Rings. They're on the bookshelf behind me. So that might have to be a thing I go at at some point. Um, yeah, um, I, to, to, to be fair to Ursula K. Le Guin, I think that this book was probably much less of a slog than taking on The Lord of the Rings would be. That is it's definitely shorter i'll tell you i was a bit surprised that it was only 300 pages um not in a bad way i was like oh i'm used to big works of sci-fi being big physically that you have to sort of be prepared to sit through for a while but this one my own dislike for political intrigue aside goes fairly quickly um and in full disclosure i did end up using a site called lit notes to make sure i had everything together in my brain and sort of capture that last hundred pages um and it was really succinct and useful i will link it in the show notes but uh yeah it was much less dense than I think I was expecting an older work of sci-fi to be. Well, well, good. Yeah, I mean, it was. Uh, it is a pretty quick read. It, 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 it in that sense, it uh, reminds me a little bit of the shorter Asimov novels of that era too. Um, not being as big. Of course, some Asimov novels got really big later on, the Foundation trilogy. But um, you know, I Robot and other books that he wrote at that time period are not monumental um yeah um you said you had originally read this book as a teenager what drew you to it then since well, i don't really have anything new to say about it besides what i've already <laughs> said my parents were uh actually um you know, my father was an engineer 
um, and you know, very much into science. And my parents both enjoyed science fiction. And so we had uh, a lot of uh, science fiction literature around. And I'm not 100% sure why I picked this particular book. Probably it was something that one of my sisters had read. My older sisters would recommend books to me. Um, and, and I don't know exactly why I picked this particular one at a particular time. I do remember the cover um, because I, I looked up cover images and um, the, the the paperback version that we had was the one of the two faces sort of uh, leaning on the side a little bit. And I, I, it's a different cover than the one that you've got. And I, I, uh, I liked the cover art and that might've been something that, you know, a 14-year-old kid um, partly judges books that way, I guess. And, yeah, I mean, uh, it's useful sometimes. It pulls you into things you wouldn't have otherwise read. Like um, one of my co-workers had left a copy of Neuromancer by William Gibson on a table uh, with a sticker that said, take me. And that is not a thing I th imagined myself picking up uh but the cover art was cool to me. It's a bright green cyberpunk. Like, it's the original cyberpunk novel. Um, that's as much as I know about it. It's still sitting on my to-read shelf. I have a large to-read shelf. No <laughs> one judge me for having not read all of these big science fictions. But, um, I'm yeah, sure I read it at a time period where science fiction was most of what I read. Um, I've very much diversified since then. And I honestly, although I still read it, um, I, I don't read it as exclusively as I did at the time. Um, that was that was kind of my free reading. Um, that and Donald Westlake novels, but, but it was mostly science fiction. Um, I was really into Asimov and Heinlein. Um, but, uh, you know, you know really respected this book, too. Interesting. I grew up, especially as a teenager, a big fantasy reader, as people who have listened to the introduction of this podcast will know. Um, I was a big Harry Potter fan, like everyone in my generation, which is complicated now. And like for political reasons, for leaving that all aside, that is not a part of this. But there was also like Rick Riordan novels, which were huge. I've just been introduced to Lockwood and Co. by Jonathan Straub by way of the television show. Everyone watch it. I think it's excellent. But I tended towards fantasy novels and maybe a little bit of like paranormal stuff. So this is my first foray into complete science fiction, I suppose. I think Le Guin is a good place to start. Um, I have heard good things about Earthsea, which I'm sure to some people feels like a very obvious statement. The Wizards of Earthsea is like a huge deal. But I don't know. That could be a fun one to do. I, 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 I know I read those too. Um, again, long, long ago. But, but for some reason... The Left Hand of Darkness made much more of an impression on me um, and, and stuck with me as, as being a, a book that, that, I, that I thought about a lot and that I really enjoyed. Um, I think Ursula K. Le Guin was, was very much um, 
ahead of her time in terms of of thinking of the meaning of gender and gender roles. Um, yeah. and this was, uh, you know, she herself was was a feminist, but but this is, uh, you know, almost. Uh, um, it's it is to me pretty amazing to think it was written in like 1967 68 yeah there were there were parts of it that i was like oh that's like a modern discussion of gender that like society is having now um that was really interesting there was some stuff that i was like oh this is kind of limited by the scope of the time and some of it that i was like oh we're still having that conversation okay note that for later um but I know of sort of the idea of Ursula K. Le Guin. Like, I know she is a feminist science fiction writer. She's very prolific and all of these things. So, I mean, one can only spend so much time on Wikipedia before you start to be like, I need to actually read her works to understand, like, what she was actually getting at. Um, but I think this is a good place to start. Good. I think it was a good recommendation. I might not have been smart enough after several hours of a work day to sit down and fully comprehend everything, but I wouldn't mind giving it a reread uh, and sort of seeing if any more of it sinks through my brain uh, because it did have a lot of interesting concepts. Also, as you said, the world building is fascinating. Um, the people who inhabit this planet of winter, so-called, because it is near constantly winter, um, their vehicles, their transportation goes at a limit of 25 miles per hour because why would it? Why would it go any faster? And our human main character, uh, contrast this to the humans of earth where we have a tendency to go why should it not go faster and so he frequently comments on their um sort of slowness in a way that like it's unhurriedness not slowness in a bad way or like deliberately tripping someone up but like does it need to be better? Does it need to go faster? Does it, you know, that sort of thing, which is also separate from the gender conversation, a very interesting thing to think about of like, does it need to be constantly changing just for its own sake? Sure, sure. Um, well, one of the things that stuck with me from the book was the, the closing of the book when um, you know, he basically is succeeding in his mission, and this uh, spaceship from the other planets is is landing. And the first person that walks off the spaceship is is a woman, and uh, uh, he 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 has the weird experience of of viewing her as almost uh, an alien herself, as something because he's been on this planet where there isn't gender for so long that encountering somebody that has. Uh, you know, a, a different gender than his is is yeah. uh, jarring to him. In in contrast, towards the beginning of the book, he refers to the person he's sort of renting an apartment from on this alien planet as, like, he thinks of them as his landlady. He thinks of them as feminine, even though they are completely androgynous. 
because they're doing sort of a hospitality-based job, which is interesting. He views, um, I don't know what to call him, his political colleague, Estrovan, as uh, <laughs> deviously feminine. Uh, he can't label him as masculine or them as I'm not, see, now I'm getting tripped up by what, pro, do we call them by the pronouns they're given in the book, or do we go with a singular they? <laughs> um, but because he views this person as, he can't figure out where to sort them, he is inherently distrustful of them, which is interesting. Because it says a lot about his like it accomplishes the goal of the thing, right? It says a lot about his views of gender. And then outside of that society's views of gender, it accomplishes the goal of the book. Well done. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, you seem to have enjoyed it. I'm glad I, I'm glad I made the I, suggestion. I did. To you. Uh, granted, like it took me a bit to get into it, but sometimes some of my favorite books are that way. So. Yeah. Good, good. Um, I think we might wrap up this recording unless you have any thoughts that you'd like to add. Well, um, you 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 mentioned that you don't the the, the political intrigue of it was was a little bit difficult for you to get into. I, I did have another another old science fiction book from this era that, that I thought oh, might excellent. be interesting to you. Uh, I don't know if you've read it excellent. or not. Um, if you want another uh, recommendation, of course. Okay, that's um, what the podcast is. Yeah, yeah. Did you ever read uh, "The Moon Is a Harsh Mistress" by Robert Heinlein? I did not. I have never read any. Okay. So. Well, Heinlein is very mixed, um, in my opinion, but but I think that this is one of his better works, um, and he's imagining. Um, you know, he, he basically he's writing again in the 1960s. And so he, his future didn't mm -hmm. come to pass, but he's imagining that, that in mid century of the next century, earth has colonized the moon. And basically the moon, um, decides to break away from the earth, uh, to, to declare its independence. And, um, the, to me, the plot is just very interesting and fascinating, um, and uh, it, it very much Heinlein is thinking of America and the American Revolution because he draws lots of parallels. Um, and he's a bit of a libertarian, so the politics in it, to, in my opinion, gets a little weird. But but it's still interesting and gripping to me. The the characters yeah. are very interesting, um, and um, uh, the the thinking about the nature of how would the Earth react if if it had colonized the Moon and the Moon suddenly said we don't want to be a colony of earth anymore um wild i love it i will look into it and add it to my list you may end up being a guest a repeat guest <laughs> uh so that will be fun um this is a reminder for people listening that um the podcast can be found pretty much wherever you get your podcasts but you're already listening to it so Good for you. Um, transcripts will also be available at thegirlandshare.com slash podcasts. And we hope you had a good time listening. I think we're going to call our recording there. All right.